Turn with me over to Matthew's Gospel. And there's several accounts of this where Jesus begins to teach. And we're in Matthew chapter 9. We're starting in the 16th verse. No one puts a piece of unshrunken cloth on an old garment. For the patch pulls away from the garment and the tear is made worse. Nor do we put new wine into old wineskins or else the wineskin breaks and the wine is spilled and the wineskins are ruined. But they put new wine into new wineskin and both are preserved. Now we can take this principle that Jesus is teaching and apply it in so many ways. So I want to, I want to take this truth and apply it, uh, in a way to cause us to have a revelation, but more than that, to have a watch out for this. Uh, Word of God says that we're not unskilled in the word of righteousness, and we have our senses exercised to discern good from evil. And I believe there's a maturity in this church that you're not unskilled in the word of righteousness, and that your senses are exercised to discern good from evil. Now, how many of you know that the world system is evil? Amen? The kingdom of God is good. So in one way that we apply that scripture to discern good from evil is to discern whether or not I'm functioning in the kingdom of God or whether I'm functioning in the world. Now, Jesus came... And he died for many reasons, and we want it all. However, he did come to set us free from this present evil age and to bring us into the kingdom of God. There is the gospel of the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom of God. Then Jesus went on to say, I don't want you to be worried about your needs. I don't want you to fret over your needs. God knows what your needs are. He doesn't want us out there toiling and being consumed with having to get our needs met. He said, but seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Jesus goes on to share another, and I'm going to share it with you. We're not going to turn to it because I believe most of you know the story. And it's where the steward is a bad boy. And the rich guy who hires the steward to handle his stuff is upset. And he says, you have to give an account. And now he's all nervous because he's going to get fired. And his little deal that he has going on, that's going to end. So he goes to the different customers. He said, you owe 100, mark it down to 50. You owe 80, mark it down to 40. You owe 40, mark it down to 20. So he's trying to gain favor from these people so that when he gets booted out, he got a place to stay. Now, Jesus says something astounding there. It's almost as though he's commending this person. But he says this, This man is more knowledgeable, more using the principles of the world. To take care of himself. He makes another statement. This is the reason why he said what he said. He said, the children of light are not that way. Now, let me put this in perspective so you understand what Jesus was getting at. He was getting at this. When you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness... You're seeking first the kingdom and the principles of the kingdom. Because the kingdom of God is a governmental structure. 
And I've got news for everyone. It's a theocracy. It is not a democracy. It is not a republic. It is a theocracy where, what did we just declare? Jesus is Lord. That's it. There are no others. Amen? And isn't it wonderful how God, through Jesus, set it up for us so that each one of us can have an individual, personal relationship with the King of Kings in this theocracy? Him? Us. He talks to us. Now, he's put in place, as you all know, helps. I call them helps. Pastors, local churches, and all of that for our benefit. So that we can better understand, better hear the principles of the kingdom. And we know about spiritual authority and how God brings that spiritual authority into your life for your protection. My heart goes out, and we pray continually for those that I call running off the reservation, that on purpose separate themselves from the body and from that spiritual protection, and they're just out there, just dead meat for the enemy. And there isn't anything they can do about it. And I, I, and I, I believe in these days coming ahead, God is putting together and He's raising up an army of believers like Abraham's 318 servants who were trained and when the enemy came in and stole and brought them into captivity, they went out and got it all back. And God's calling the church today, go out and get them. Free them from captivity. Because I want you to know the majority of the people, and you many know who they are in your sphere of influence, they don't know how to get back. And they need somebody to show them. They need somebody to lead them. They need somebody to take them by the hand and say, come with me. They'll come. They'll come. In their heart of hearts, this is what they're looking for. This is what they've been crying out to the Lord for. I don't know how to get back. I've known hundreds like that over the years. You know, Paul expressed, when he was talking about Epaphroditus, he said, Epaphroditus was a, is a brother, he's a fellow worker, he's a fellow soldier. And you know, in the body of Christ today, there's brothers and sisters, there's fellow workers, and there's fellow soldiers. What does the soldier do? He fights for you. He fights for those brothers and sisters who are in captivity, who go out and fight and say, I'm not going to settle for this. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm not settling for this. We have the victory. I know we have the victory. And I'm going to see them free. The Bible talks continually how people get taken captive by the enemy to do his will. Whether it's strife, whether it's quarreling, whether it's unforgiveness, whether it's those things. Now, they don't need us going to condemn them over that. They need for us to get them free and bring them back in. Amen? Are there any fellow soldiers in here today? Say, Lord, I want to be a fellow soldier. I'm not just satisfied being a brother and sister in the Lord. I want to be a fellow soldier. Raise your hand. Amen? Now, there's a difference between a brother and sister in the Lord and a fellow soldier. How many of you know that a fellow soldier is trained a lot better? They're aware of what the enemy's doing. 
my son's in the military and he went over to Afghanistan. He's come back and he talked about how they were trained. And he had to go to Louisiana and he trained with the special forces there before they went. And do you know out of this two months they're there, the majority of the time they were being trained on recognizing the enemy and what he does and how to avoid it and what to do. See, even in the natural, that example is there to show us a spiritual truth that we need to be, we need to recognize when the enemy is trying to move. We need to know what we have. A soldier goes into battle, they're, they're told what they have. And it isn't just their muscles. They know what that gun will do. They know what that artillery will do and so forth. And they have all the backing. We have all the backing of heaven and all of its resources and all of the power of heaven to set them free and destroy the works of the devil. But God has called us to do it, not him. Hello? We can pray and pray and pray, oh God, do this, do this, do this. I remember 20-something years ago, one morning, the Lord said to me, you're waiting on me, I'm waiting on you. Now get up and go. Amen. And he's saying that. Luke chapter 10, verse 2. Jesus said, pray the Lord of the harvest to raise up laborers to go in the field. The field is ripe, ready to go. Hello? We don't need to keep praying for the revival. It's here. We don't need to be praying for the harvest is there. We need to pray what Jesus said pray. What? Pray the Lord of the harvest to raise up laborers for the harvest. And then he said to them, go. Soldiers, go. And they fight. And they do. And it's not just militarily. This thing in the Philippines, one of the first things they mentioned was all the Marines going over there. The U.S. Marines going over there to... to find out what, where these survivors were and get them loose and so forth. They're just as captive. And there's blessed saints of God who are captive that way. Not because they chose it. Because it happened to them. Calling us to go get them. Calling us to go get them. Yes, but I don't know how. God does. He knows exactly how. And all he's asking is, listen to me, and I'll show you how. Do what I say. Everybody say, do what I say, and it'll get done. Amen. We do not have to reinvent the wheel. I, for one, don't want to have to use that kind of brain power, which I can't figure it out anyway, how to do it. He already knows. We have somebody who already knows. He also knows how to straighten out any issue you have in your life. But what does that take? Listen and do. Do what he says. Do what he says. Do what he says to you. And it's not the same for everyone. It's tailor-made for you. For your situation. For what he knows will work for you. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, when we talk about the world and we talk about this mixture, this mixture cannot happen. Because nothing of the world is allowed in the kingdom of God. You can't take the world system and try to apply it to the kingdom of God because it will not work in the kingdom of God. Well, John, what do you mean by that? Here's what I mean. 
The world system works a particular way. It's set up to work according to the small g God of this world, Satan. He set up the system. So it's automatically set up for failure. It's automatically set up for brokenheartedness. It's automatically set up to kill, steal, and destroy. Young people in their 20s and 30s should not be dying. That is not the plan. As a matter of fact, in the kingdom of God, we can live to be 120. If you choose it. I thought about that when they said maybe 100 be the limit. I want to hang around here. But what is the reason we're here? For you to fulfill what God has for you to do. That brings glory to Him. And each one of you, He has a plan for each one of you. Amen? Now, let's let's talk about this a second. What does the world system operate on? Fear of punishment, hope of reward. Fear and greed. How many of you know that that does not work in the kingdom of God? There is no place in the kingdom of God for greed or hope of reward and fear of punishment. Now, you're going to have to pay close attention to me because I'm going to address something that you have to have the ears to hear what I'm saying. The concept that we have to be good enough to be blessed is a world concept. And it is running rampant through the kingdom of God. We grow up in this world system, which is all based on our performance. When you're young, you got to be good enough to make the team. If you're not good enough, you're rejected. If you play musical instrument, you have to play good enough to be in the band. If you're not, you're rejected. Now, you never get it promoted in the world system until you perform well enough to be promoted. That means it's how well I do, how good I am, how much I know. Do you see that? Shake your head up and down and say, I see that. Okay, that system doesn't work in the kingdom of God. But yet we try to stuff it in there. Amen? The kingdom of God is not based on hope of reward and fear of punishment. It's based on love and faith. I do in the kingdom of God because He loves me and I love Him. And I know that he loves me so much, I wouldn't want to do anything that hurt him. Amen? It's not based in, you got to do this, 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 this to be blessed, as though you're trying to change God's mind to bless you. I've heard it many times, said from pulpits, we want to praise God for the healing for so and so and so and so. God decided to heal them. Whoa. What? Now, you know what everyone else is thinking? Maybe not everyone else, but I best think, you know, God shows you the thoughts by the Spirit. And I know what went run across that that room, that, that sanctuary that day. Well, what do, what do I got to do to get Him to decide to heal me? Ha! <laughs> Now, God decided already, and by Jesus' stripes you were healed. And as far as God is concerned, and the kingdom of God is concerned, you're healed. Now let me share this with you saying, catch this. We have the world here, we have the kingdom of God here. Alright? The world says over here that I gotta be good enough, I gotta do this, I gotta figure out a way to get healed, or I gotta figure out a way to have my finances met, but more than that, I gotta figure out a way to be right with God. That's the basis of all world religion. God says on the kingdom of God, He says, you're already there. 
He calls the end from the beginning. You're already righteous because I've made you righteous. You have the righteousness of Jesus and you receive that by faith. By faith. Faith in what? God said you were. I don't feel righteous. I've done a bad thing. I've sinned. I've done this. Folks, awake to righteousness and sin not. What he's saying is, I've made you righteous by faith. Now, walk in the righteousness that I've already given you. Amen? If I'm over in the world system, I'm trying to do this stuff and do this and that so that he can pronounce me righteous after. Righteous meaning right standing with God. Because I have right standing with God by the blood of Jesus. And because Jesus died for me, and I'm in right standing with him all the time, then I have that power to walk it out. But if I'm going to abandon that and go into the world system and say, I'm going to do it. Hey, we couldn't do it when we came into the kingdom. Hey, if you could have got rid of all your sin, why do you need Jesus? And that continues in the kingdom. Amen? How many of you right now, you're doing a lot better, and you know it, since you received Jesus and the Lord and Savior, from the time you did to now, I'm doing better. Raise your hand. Well, there you go. See, you were proclaimed righteous, and you received it by faith, and that Faith caused that righteousness, that force of righteousness to work. And then you bore fruit of righteousness. Not works. Kingdom of God is fruit, 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 fruit. Amen? Fruit. And fruit just grows. I don't get up one morning and go, apple tree doesn't do this. I gotta give apples. I gotta give apples. And try real hard to give apples. It just grows. This is what the parable of the sower is about. And that these word is sown in our heart. And it grows in our heart. And we water and it grows. And the fruit comes forth. Amen? Years ago I found there was something wrong. When I read the words that Jesus said, Come to me, all of you that are heavily laden and burdened. Take my yoke upon you, because it's easy and light. And then I looked around. And I didn't find a lot of brothers and sisters in the Lord who were telling me how easy and light it was. They were telling me how hard it is. Can I ask you a question? If you went out and shared Jesus... And those people got the idea of how hard it is and how tormented you are. Why would anybody sign up for that? They're already there. Dead in their trespasses and sin. Walking according to the spirit principality of the air. Come on, folks. This is fun. Can I tell you something this morning? It's just great to be saved. You know, every now and then you got to sit down a minute and say, it's just great to be saved. Even with all that's going on around me, Lord, it's just great to be saved. It is, isn't it? Amen? Let's not make it more complicated than it is. I, I've gone to unsaved relatives. I You know, it's just great to be saved. What do you mean? There's a door. Here, this is what I tell you. I used to worry, fret, this, grind it out, all that. Now, the Lord supplies. I give him an example or two. Love what the pastor said. We don't need your money. God's more than enough. Amen? The reason, let me just throw this in free. The reason God set it up like that is so that you can walk in the blessing He's already blessed you in. 
See? God has made all of you a blessing to all the world. Okay? Kingdom of God. What is he saying? I have made you a blessing to all the world. Now he says run the race. You're a winner. I'm not over here trying to be a blessing. Amen? Just kind of discerning the difference. And the world keeps creeping into the church, trying to creep into the church. And how does that world creep into the church? By unrenewed minds that bring it in. Whoever said the church was a democracy? The world. Oh, you gotta have that system. I got, let me throw this out. I can assure you that the Lord God Almighty is well able to handle Pastor Mike. Amen. But at the same time, he's a servant of the Lord and God is able to make him stand. Okay? And he doesn't need any commentary. Amen? See? We're going to have fellowship dinner later. Okay? And we're going to be there fellowshipping. And, you know, when I hear those people come to me say, Oh, I just, you know I love the pastor. I want to stop him right there because I know what's coming. I said, don't give me the butt or anything after. Okay? Don't want to hear it. Let's just leave it at that. You love the pastor. Amen. What's the key? And I'll just put this out to you. Praying for the pastor every day. Praying for the pastor every day. Praying. Paul must have said 18 times, pray for me. Pray for me. Pray for me. He run around going like, hey, I'm Paul the Apostle. Hey? Had a very sad story from a pastor how he had a revelation that nobody was praying for him because God told him that. And he was having problems. That's sad. Very sad. Okay, so listen, you love the pastor, and I'm going to take a page out of our president, period. (laughs) Amen? There isn't any but after it. Amen, glory to God. You know, I'm getting an impression, I want to touch upon this too, because I don't want to let it go. There's many of you here that you're having a difficulty in discerning, is this God? Is this not God? Is this me? How many have ever been there with that, other than the pastor and myself? Now, I'm going to share with you uh, just quickly here, because I believe it's something that will help you. What the Lord showed me and my wife And it was very, very helpful. Turn to John. What what Jesus said was, He who wills to do my will, he will know the doctrine that it's from him, from God. In other words, here's the key. If you want to know all the time that what you're hearing from God or even a teaching that you're hearing, okay, a doctrine's a teaching, or that you're hearing direction and guidance from God, you must first commit, I will do your will. If you're trying to discern, and you've got to make up your mind after He tells you, huh? If you want to make up your mind, okay, I'm going to go ahead and carry that out. I'm 
I'm going to do that. I'm going to decide. In other words, you're judging. You're judging what God's telling you. You want to judge it first to make up your mind whether I will carry that out. Do you get it? Am I communicating well enough for you to understand the difference? The difference is your will, God, be done, not mine. That commitment we make to the Lord initially, that's what a fellow soldier does. Most of you raise your head and say, I'm a fellow soldier. Well, if the commander-in-chief tells you something, do you have the right to even judge whether it's right or wrong? Or do you just carry it out? My son told me in the army the reason why they have to obey is because there's men's lives on the line if they don't. Follow? John seven seventeen. Please turn there because I want you to see chapter and verse. Yes, John seven seventeen. If anyone wills to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine whether it is from God or whether I speak on my own authority. What's the question? Is this God or is this me? And now come up. Am I hearing from God now or am I here? is it this me? That's a big issue with a lot of believers. We talk about being led of the Spirit. And you all know about that, right? Being led of the Spirit. Is this the Spirit or not? Well, you see, if you don't decide will to do it, okay, this confusion is always going to be there. But the moment that you say, Lord, I will to do. Holy Spirit, however you lead me, I'm doing it. It comes clear. Right, no no exceptions. The yeah buts, you throw those in the trash cans and the what ifs. Amen? John 7, 17. That's a good one to mark down and go over that. Because it's big. It's very big. And a lot of the confusion will go out. Why? Because the double-mindedness is gone. I'm not hearing too much from the Lord. What does a double-minded person get from the Lord? Nothing. See, a double-minded person is one who says, Lord, tell me, lead me, guide me, but I want to check it out and decide. You don't get anything. God's wisdom is not to be judged by us. Hello? You still with me? They're still here, Pastor Emily. I had one service I did, and like half the people get up and walk out. And the Lord said, no problem. They all left one time when I preached. Hallelujah. Didn't bother him. Why? Because he knows he spoke the truth. Amen? So now we're here, kingdom of God. We're here, world. We're delivered from this present evil age. And not only that, we're delivered from the way of thinking. So that when we have a problem, let me illustrate. In the kingdom of God, well, let me put it this way. In the world, the whole world system, the economic system of the world is based on buying and selling. That is the only way the world has to receive money. It's the only way they think. Walmart is Walmart because they got a lot of people to buy their stuff. Amen? Now, how does this get into the church? Well, it gets into the church because the church says we have a need. So let's have a rummage sale. Everybody bring their rummage and we'll sell it. Why? To raise money. Or there's another denomination that says, well, we have a need. Let's have bingo. What does that appeal to? Greed. 
putting up something for nothing, blah, 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 goes on and on. I know I was a professional gambler. And the Lord saved me out of that. I know everything that goes on. And I know you talk about, I can tell you gamble before it gets five miles away. This bid site stuff. You know, you see that where you bid penny auctions and, and, and this, this, anybody know that? At least you guys are great if you haven't seen it. <laughs> Probably. It's on, it comes in email form all the time. And you go on there and you bid for an iPad and they put on there, I got an iPad for $10.50. I got this and that. But every time you bid, it costs you 60 cents. But you bid a penny. So you up it by a penny, but it costs you 60 cents. Trust me, there's a spirit of gambling behind that looking to hook saints of God. Don't get hooked. Because I assure you, you might win that iPad for 15 bucks, but it's going to cost you a whole lot more trying to win another thing. I can't tell you the number of people that got set free from a spirit of gambling that were able to minister to them, who said this, I won the first time I bet. You want it, you want the greed. Say, hey, they won because the enemy let them win. Trust me. That spirit of gambling, and it is, it is hideous. It will destroy you, your family, Every relationship, everybody around you, to the point where, and I've, I've, and I've seen it. And taking a gun, blow their brains out. I'm not saying drugs and alcohol are good stuff. Plus, trust me, need to be delivered and freed from it. But a person on alcohol or drugs essentially just killing themselves. That spirit of gambling wants to kill them and everybody around them. So if you're buying a lottery ticket, I've never done this before. This is a first. I haven't. Some people in here get set free. Recognize good from evil. It's not an innocent thing. It is the devil trying to hook you on something you think is not very much and pull you into something that you you lose your will. Well, how do I get free? Take authority in the name of Jesus to begin with. Recognize it's the enemy in the spirit of gambling. I am done with you. Get out. And I will not make another bet ever. On anything. Amen. And the Spirit of God will set you free. Amen. Folks, listen. There's multiplied billions of dollars just bet on NFL football. Why do you think the stadium is full? Don't kid yourself. It's pretty much a boring game. It's because they've got 200, 500 bet. And they want to see if they win in person. A bag of air they're trying to move across the ground. you got 11 guys there trying to stop them. Another level trying to figure out how to move the bag of air. <laughs> yes, it is a pig skin, isn't it? <laughs> See? Jesus set us free from that too. But what is the thing in that world system? The greed. I want more. I want more. I want more. I've known millionaires who are so insecure, so fearful, so worrisome, the disease killed them. Turned on their own body. And they had millions. And that millions couldn't heal them. No peace is correct. 
Now, Jesus is addressing the world system and, and, he's, and, he's, and he's addressing the kingdom of God and he's saying to the children of light, learn the principles of the kingdom so you can use them. Now, let me give you one example. Turn to Luke 17. Luke chapter 17. Jesus is talking to the disciples and he's saying to them, you need to forgive all the time. Verse 4, 17.4. They put numbers on it, but basically Jesus is saying, you walk in forgiveness. You forgive all the time. You don't know how foreign this was to them. Even under the Jewish law at the time, you only had to forgive three times, and they thought they were being magnanimous. See, I grew up a Middle Eastern family with the same culture, and you are taught to be unforgiving. You are taught to get revenge. You are taught to go after them with a vengeance, even if it was just somebody in your family that was done wrong to And if you didn't do that, you were ostracized. Until you get yourself in line. Here comes Jesus going to these guys, forgive. These are the guys that wanted to call down the fire. Just because they didn't show up at the meeting. Aren't you glad they're not around today like that? For those who didn't show up to the meeting, we want to torch them. Jesus said, you know what spirit you're of. See, it was so contrary to them when Jesus came preaching the kingdom that it just racked them up. They just, you are talking and you are doing things that we just never saw. We never saw this. What are you talking about? We're going to go beat that guy up. And they still had that mentality, even up to the cross, because they thought Jesus was going to overthrow, form an army, and overthrow the Roman Empire. That's why they ran. See? Wouldn't happen in the way they thought it was supposed to happen. And all the time, Jesus was winning. He's winning all the time. The devil didn't even know he was winning. If he had known, he would not crucify the Lord of glory. He's not such a smarty. Now, here Jesus says this to them, and the apostles are recognized right away. They said, increase our faith. Jesus, we need faith to do what you just said. Amen. Then Jesus goes on to teach. He doesn't say to them, well, do this, 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 and this, and then you'll increase your faith. He says to them, if you had faith of the mustard seed, you would say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots, be cast into the sea, and it would obey you. So he said, you use the faith. Use it. You have it already. How many of you know you all have faith? You've been given a measure of faith. The kingdom of God operates by faith. The kingdom of the world, the world system, operates by fear. Okay? No fear allowed in your life. No fear allowed. That's why the Word of God says, I will not fear. Don't allow it. Do not allow a spirit of fear. We have not been given a spirit of fear. Don't allow it. Some of you today, you're fearful over something. And the thing you fear the most will come upon you. And right now, be free from that fear. So it does not come upon you. Amen. Right now. In the name of Jesus, fear, get out. I will not fear. The Lord is on my side. I will. Will. I will. I will. I will. Make a decision. I will not fear. 
It doesn't belong in the kingdom of God with you. Amen. Isn't that great? That fear is ugly. Well, what is the goal? The enemy wants you to speak the fear. Then he can move on it. I uh, forget that. I'm not even going to begin there. What am I going to speak then? My faith. pastor spoke his faith there. God supplies. God is more than enough. God, he's the one that supplies. Amen? How many of you know when the words come out of your mouth, I don't know what we're going to do about this. That's fear. Have your senses exercised. Be skilled. Don't be unskilled in the word of righteousness. Have your senses exercised to discern good from evil. Is the talk evil? I don't know what we're going to do about this. Who said you were in it alone? Where's that? God said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. I'm here. Years ago, I used to have that pity party. You know, I'm alone in this and, and uh, you know, and all that. And you say, well, does that happen when you're in the ministry? More than you know. You get to feeling like you're doing it all alone. And that authoritative voice of the Spirit said, you be silent now. You're never alone. I'm with you. Don't you ever let those words come out of your mouth again. Yes, sir. Set me free. Anytime you get a word, it'll set you free. Anytime the Lord speaks a word, you're going to get set free from something. Amen? So Jesus says, you know, your faith's like a servant. You send it out. To do stuff. I used to complain. I said, Lord, I have a complaint. He said, what is it? I said, I have to sleep eight hours a day. The devil, he's out there 24-7. And the Lord spoke to me and said, that's not the case. He said, your faith is out there 24-7. You go take a rest. Huh? Does not the word talk about right now we're partaking of the faith of Abraham? Anybody with me here? Well, when was that faith released? When Abraham was on earth. Huh? Your faith is out there working if you put it to work. Kingdom. Kingdom. Not the world. Kingdom. Kingdom. Operates on faith. And Jesus said you could send your faith out like a servant to do what you wanted to do. Faith, bring me a job. Faith, cause my relative to be saved. Faith. Amen? Kingdom. World. I don't know what I'm going to do. Amen? The kingdom of God operates by faith Therefore, everything is now. I'm saved when? Now. I'm healed when? Now. God has given me the promised land? When? Now. When God told the children of Israel, I've given you the promised land, it was now. They're the ones who chose to be out there 40 years in the wilderness. Why? Because they function in that world system that also works in unbelief. Here's the world system. If I see it, I'll believe it. Kingdom of God, I believe it, I see it. Where are you guys? Come on. I want all of you in the kingdom. Alright? You jump in the kingdom, alright? It's fun. And it's not hard. What's hard is mixing 
the world system with the kingdom. And boy, that is hell. All of it is ruined, Jesus said. All of it is ruined. Father, in the name of Jesus, right now, I pray for each person. And I pray right now that as your Holy Spirit blows across this auditorium, as the winnowing fan goes forth, that right now you're removing all the chaff of the world from us. All the chaff of the world from us. And all that's left is pure wheat. Pure wheat in the hearts and minds of each person. In the minds of hearts of each person. Just let the Spirit of God remove it from you. He'll remove it from you. He will remove that from you. Everything that the Father hasn't planted in our heart, He goes about to remove. And right now, the Spirit of God is removing. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. In the name of Jesus, fear go. Unbelief go. Doubt go. Lack go. Poverty go. All of it go. Now, in the name of Jesus. Amen. The kingdom of God, we're blessed. Ephesians 1, 3, we're blessed with every spiritual blessing. Amen. The world, you're trying to get blessed. I'm not blessed, but i got to try to get blessed. You can't do enough. Because Jesus is the one that did what? Did it all. And that's why we have the blessing. God can't bless anything less than perfect. And Jesus made us perfect. We are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus. But Pastor John, where's the good works? Four good works that he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Not by. Never by. We're saved. Why? For good works. We're never saved by good works. Got that? Kingdom of God. We're saved for good works. And they're already prepared beforehand. And God, I don't even have to think anything up. Just show me the good works and I'll walk in them. World, i got to figure out a good work to do. Quit figuring. There isn't anything we can figure out as a good work that would even be acceptable. Amen? How many of you today, all right, right now, show of your hands, from this day forth, I'm going to walk in the good work He has already prepared beforehand. It's already there. And all the supply is there. And all the money's there. And everything's there. And including all the grace. Amen? How about you and I agree with this? We're not going to leave one ounce of grace that God has stored in heaven for us on the table before we leave here. Can you say amen? Can we agree on that? Say this after me. Father, I know all the grace I need you have provided for every good work that you have ordained in advance, that I walk in it. And right now, I commit, I'm not going to leave any grace that you stored up for me unused. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. One last thing. I said that before. This is the third one last thing. 
I'm like Paul when he said, finally, and there's four chapters following. Ministry of Reconciliation. Let me touch on that for a moment. The Word tells us that we have already been given the ministry of reconciliation. What does that mean? That God was in Christ reconciling us to Him. And we are ambassadors. You know what ambassadors do? They talk. And they talk on behalf of the King. Amen? Now, I want to know how many of you, this this point, you say, God, I hear that. I have heard you have given me the ministry of reconciliation. It's my desire that I walk in and be an ambassador. See, one of the things that we must do with God is acknowledge. Always acknowledge. It's not automatic. Amen? He will not transgress your will. He's made us free moral agents. Devil transgress your will anytime he gets a crack at it. Amen? But he won't transgress yours. No matter, see, he, he's provided everything. You have to be willing to receive it. I will receive healing. I will. Amen? I will receive the ministry of reconciliation. You do that this morning, you'll be amazed in the next couple of weeks what God does every day to bring somebody to you. He'll set it up. He just needs you to be the ambassador. Amen? You say, well, how do I go about getting those captives free? He'll do it if you'll up and say, Lord, I thank you. By faith, I'm a minister of reconciliation. You made me that. You gave me the grace for that. That's the whole body of Christ. Amen? Amen? Now, I, let me let me just say, you have to make that decision. He's made you the ministry, an ambassador of the ministry of reconciliation. He's given you that ministry. How people come say, pray with ministry, Lord. I said, have you been doing the ministry of reconciliation lately? No, I no. You don't have to pray about it. It's right there in Corinthians. He's done it. Amen. Amen? Receive it. I can tell you, we would be here until five if I told you all the things that God has done, bringing people my way and setting it up. I mean, how 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 much easier it is than a person who's unsaved walks up to you and says, what do you think about Jesus Christ? It's tough not to step into that one. Amen? Oh, but Lord, it's so hard. It isn't. It's easy. That's the devil telling you it's hard. We don't have to make that happen. We just need to go ahead and receive that ministry of reconciliation by faith. Pray for the laborers for the harvest and say, Lord, bring them my way. I love it when they knock on my door. Then I don't have to go out and look for them. Praise the Lord, you're bringing them right to my door. Amen? Amen? Oh, we're so concerned they might make us have allow gay people into the church. Bring them on in, bless God. Let's make a law they got to come. Why? Because by the time your pastor's done or I'm done and other and many of you, they're either going to get saved or go running out of the building. They ain't going to be bringing any lawsuits to get in to hear that. Come on. Why are we trying to keep them out? It's not saying we endorse them. We say we love them. Well, hallelujah. There'll be one mass deliverance service coming. Why? Because when they hear the gospel and the love of God, they're not going to want that anymore. That's what it does. When I got saved, I didn't want to bet anymore. I didn't want to gamble. I would made a lot of money. I wasn't one of those loser guys. I made a lot of money. I knew what I was doing. I didn't bet on anything else. But when you are born again truly into the kingdom of God, your desire changes. And He does it. What you didn't like before, you like it now. What you didn't love before, you love now. 
I from the day I got saved, baptized in the Holy Spirit, I love this word. Three days before that, you couldn't waste my time. Folks, did that happen to you when you received Jesus as Lord? Did, did that, did the desire change? Now I want to tell you today, if that didn't happen, and you have the same desires you had before, are you saved? Are you born again? Now don't get fearful. Oh no, we can take care of that in 30 seconds. Isn't that great? Mercy of God. Okay? Can you point to a time in your life where a desire changed? I didn't want that anymore. Folks, the body of Christ is not looking for a way to sin. They're looking for the way out. And so oftentimes we get caught up in that, oh, you know, we got to preach against this because this is... Well, hey, a born-again believer is not looking for a way to keep their sin. They're looking for somebody to show them out of it. And God made the plan. Hallelujah. We don't have to reinvent the wheel. The love and goodness of God leads us to repentance. Amen.